Okay, so those of you who can't see at the sides, we're going to have this um, flame burning much of the time if we can. So I'll speak a little bit. I won't speak for 50 minutes. Um, just, to, just to cover a couple of things. Um, the, other, the subtitle of our retreat is Of Hermits and Lovers. And I heard from several people that they recognize both of those in themselves. Um, and I imagine at different times, or I imagine those archetypes are familiar, knowable for you in different ways, whether we're actively engaged in one or the other of those isn't so much the point as a, as a um, that we have been or that we aspire to or that there's something about both of those archetypes that speaks to us. Something burns in us for the image of the cave, I th- imagine, in most of us here who have been attracted to silence and solitude, and some of you actually have been actively those monks and nuns. And I imagine something burns or has burned with the archetype of the lover, whether that is the desire for the human beloved, for the beautiful things that Rob spoke about in that talk, for the sensuality, for the being of the world, the being the desire for the world, the desire for what the world uh, contacts us with through our senses. What do you burn with when you feel yourself as the hermit or drawn to the cave in the metaphor? This is poetic metaphor. What do you burn with? And what do you burn with when you burn for the other? Human other, the other of the inner image that arises in our practice. The other more than human, other than human creature, tree, Do you burn sometimes? Yes, we know the burning where it gets problematic for sure and we attend to that and we will and we'll work with that. But there's something about that flame that I think we all probably recognize. Even if it feels at times like it's been, hasn't been fanned for a while. You know, it can be under a, what's that? It's from the New Testament, isn't it? Your light under a bushel. Somebody told me what a bushel was once. That our light is either hidden or sometimes it's not supported, nourished, flamed, allowed to thrive. So we will take care of this flame of desire. And how do you manage your desire for your herm- hermeticness and your, what's the word, the, your hermitude, <laughs> your lover of that aspect of yourself and your love 
for the world because sometimes the, hum- the, the hermit image can be as, you know, to this uh, away from the world, away from the world of the senses, to the cave, to the silence, to the beyond that's universal, that doesn't always have a face, that doesn't necessarily come in a form. And sometimes that love can feel split or separated or not completely integrated in our heart and our body and our soul with that love for the sensuality, the love for the forms, the love for the face, the love for the particularness of the other that I love, that I burn for. And even if intellectually we know they cannot be two different loves, it must be one. Even if intellectually we would not doubt that that must be the same love, the same desire, in our heart and our soul, we don't always know that. Well, I don't always know that. Check it out. Maybe you do always know that. So what would it be this week to give attention to this flame in the ways that we will together, together, your flame comes into this room. It's here. And give attention to that in such a way with discernment and precision and love and care and willing to stretch at times beyond what we know. to see where this exploration may take us to, yes, more skill, and yes, more soul, more soul-making, more soulfulness. Yeah. Do you burn right now for anything? Maybe you burn. Or does burning feel like a far distant memory? Yeah, I burned when I was 18 or 14, and sometimes I do, but that pilot light sometimes takes a little... It's hard to get it going. I don't trust it. It burnt me. (laughs) I got burned. Others got burned. But hopefully with our practices, our rooting deeply in our tradition rooting deeply in the understanding of emptiness with the care of the brahma viharas we can hold this flame and let it show us what is possible so rob said on the talk that i would speak about soul making and um i i actually think you did <laughs> um, but and, and we will say a lot more and fill out a lot more of the practices and details but I'll say a little bit I think um, and then we'll do something together um, so as I sit here and contemplate what would I say about soul making Firstly, it feels a bit like a it feels like a privilege. I've never spoken publicly about soul making before. And as I say that my heart goes boom boom. 
as I draw attention to my newness. I love soul making. I love the activity of soul making. I love the paradigm and the model of soul making. And as an activity, briefly, I could say that it is a way of participating in all of this, in all of this, inner and outer, seen, unseen, knowable and not yet knowable, the near and the beyonds that we haven't yet come across a way of participating in relationship with this, that brings more soul. That brings beauty, brings sacredness, brings meaningfulness, brings devotion. And I imagine for you that you know this to some degree, maybe really a lot in being drawn to this retreat, in being in practicing with the imaginal work. Soul is nourished by, and in the language of this par- beautiful paradigm, soul is nourished by image, by psyche by fantasy, by myth. Image, fantasy and myth are not second class, somehow less valid. They are the language of soul. They are the way she knows herself, the way he knows himself, the way they know themselves. And guess who loves Psyche? (laughs) Do you know the story? (laughs) Yes, student, who loves Psyche? Eros loves Psyche. In the story and the myth that we inherit, they are the lovers. Eros loves Psyche. Eros loves Psyche, and as that love and desire, a, a flame, a burning desire, it's not just only meta for Psyche. There is meta for Psyche. <laughs> and there is flame, there is burning desire for Psyche. And as that is opened to, as that is allowed, as that, as that is nourished, Psyche opens, reveals more of themselves, herself, his self, more beyond, more facets, more beauty, more what I may, could never have dreamed of. And as that opens out, what happens? Then the third part of this trinity of the soul-making paradigm is that as psyche opens, as image opens, as we start to see this more, it changes and opens our ideas. Our ideas about what things are, move. Our ideas about matter, our ideas about each other, our ideas about being human, about soul, about God, about the world, about 
our ideas are ours to open. To make room. To be a framework, a conceptual framework, a, a womb, something that can allow this birthing of this beauty of soul. So you all, I imagine, have listened to some of um, Rob's talks about soul making. But it has this, if I give the paradigm a little bit, this, I, I see it as a triangle. You can have your own image. I don't want to impose image, but I see a little triangle in my mind of Eros, and one point Psyche, and one point, and Logos. Logos, the framework, the ideas, the conceiving, the brilliant conceiving. Conceiving happens in a womb. Conceiving has to have a structure around it for something to be birthed, something to be grown, something to be made. And I think finally, I would just like to say that as I, and maybe some of you recognize this for your own practice, as I practice more the activity, the practice of soul making, I understand better the concept, the logos, the frame of soul making. I, I love it. <laughs> I love it and I find it a thorough and robust and beautiful and brilliant framework for Dharma, for the era that we're in together, that has the inheritances of what has come before us, of our, our philosophical her inheritance, our understandings, our religious heritages, all the best parts of those without the realist basis that, that, basis that ossifies and acts as a constriction to any one of those ways of seeing on their own. Something can be um, current, really current, that is intelligent and flexible as we practice multiple participations, multiple ways of seeing in a way that brings more soul, more depth, more beauty, more richness, more sacredness. I feel really privileged to be... Uh, soul-making with you. <laughs> Even if you don't understand that yet, that's some of what we're doing here as we put Eros, that part of the triangle this retreat is particularly looking at, but we can't separate it, of course, from Psyche, because Eros loves Psyche and wants to hang out with Psyche. And, right? and when they do, the Logos opens. Yeah, thank you.